Outside, we couldn't see it from our vantage point. Wrestling fans, welcome to episode number 11 of our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. We're in season number two, aren't we, Quinn? Wow, season two. Season two premiere we coming at you. We didn't have a new opening. We didn't have a... No, we're not getting rid of this opening by it's, bensounds.com. It's not like Roseanne with the... It's a little more elaborate every season. <laughs> Folks, we're here as usual to talk to you about wrestling, retro wrestling, things we remember, and some things we wish we didn't. Quinn, we have over 40 years... Plus 11. Plus 11 of combined fandom and today on this beautiful monday december 19th we're going to talk to you about some of those things quinn i understand they can subscribe a few places why don't you tell the folks where that might be well there's a a plethora of places now uh a plethora yeah we got the itunes you can always go over to itunes uh on your itunes you know web on your itunes yeah on your itunes right you can go subscribe there uh you can subscribe over at google play Google Play Music or Google whatever Play it's called. Google Play Music, yeah. Whatever they like to be called nowadays. Um, there's the Stitcher. The Stitcher. Yeah. Very uh, good. A lot of people like that, I hear. Very good web app. And now we're on this new podcast directory, uh, Blueberry. Blueberry. B-L-U-B-R-R-Y. Yeah. Dot com. Yeah. Now, that's just another directory. I'm sure it'll just show up in your pod catcher if you search for us. That's but right, yeah. It's more of a directory kind of thing. And I also understand we have a website. Yes, we do. It's called ovppodcast.com. The dot com. And of course, at any time, go to our Twitter, at ovppodcast. You can tweet at us. You can follow us. You can ask us stuff. You can disagree with us, whatever. You can also email us, and you can do that at ovppodcast at gmail.com. That is ovppodcast at gmail.com. By the way, if you're listening on iTunes, leave us a review. Yeah, we'd, we'd appreciate we like that. that. Even if it, even even if it's not a five star review, how about that? Yeah. Minus five star we'll, review. We'll take a minus five star review, Brian Alvarez. Yeah. Okay, minus we five we just like stars. the reviews, and and you know if you want to write a review, you can write a review, or you can just give us the stars only. Give us the stars, the yeah. snowflakes. Yeah, the snowflakes. I don't think there's snowflakes over at iTunes.feet over there, but <laughs> <laughs> iTunes friends. Yeah, folks, we have a new format as promised this week. This is our season two format, Quinn. It's very exciting. So there's no more missed opportunity. No, no, no. What are we going to do? <laughs> to start it off, our first segment is called One Thing That I Miss. And that's each week, Quinn and I will alternate speaking about something we miss from wrestling past. I'm excited about this. I'm excited about this, too. So to open this segment, I'm going to start. You're going to do the honors. I'm going to do the honors. One Thing I Miss, Quinn. Okay. Is there not being a GM of Raw or SmackDown? The new general manager! SmackDown Live general manager! Well, you missed their, like, just not having one, right? Right. Yeah. I'm not saying no authority figure whatsoever, because there was Jack Tunney all throughout the mid-80s right. into the mid-90s, You're, you then more, Gorilla. You more want a, a silent authority. I would be so much happier if it was like an occasional appearance, someone that came out to settle things. Make, I agree. Make a big match. The way Jack Tunney did. Now, Jack Tunney, folks, was the most notable, I'd say, WWF president. Uh, he was like pretty much 
for the majority of there being a president. Yeah. Like, he was there. He was president from, like, I think, 84 until— Yeah, when in, they bought Maple Leaf, basically. Yep, into, exactly. Good point. Yeah. Until uh, 95. Right. And he wouldn't be there every single week making the matches on Superstars. He was basically only there when they had to rule on something. Exactly. Like, if there was a controversial thing. All reptiles are barred from ringside. But, but, big mm-hmm. but, it, he would be mentioned, like, somehow, like— even though he wasn't there in real life, they would talk like, oh, He's he, watching backstage, or, or he's, he's going to have to check this out. Or he's watching the replays right. and the videos and, and all this. And, and the implication, I don't know if it was really explicitly stated, but the implication was that these matches were put together ahead of time. They were put together according to how well the wrestlers were doing. There was, there was rankings. There was contenders. There was that. And then they would also talk about how the managers would sign contracts Correct. for contests. Yep. And that even the most piddly, like, jobber match was somehow signed at some point. Right. Like, And, and if nothing else, there was the purse money. Purse money! As the, Gorilla used to like to say. There was money involved, yeah. There were stakes. Now... And it was a gradual transformation. Actually, let me just follow through with that gradual transformation. Go ahead, go ahead. So Tony started to appear less and less as the mid-90s rolled on. In fact, his last real notable thing was probably the Royal Rumble 94 decision. But I would say almost right before that, I felt like he appeared more than he ever had in like 92. He was pretty prominent in 91, 92, and in 88. Because there was a lot of controversy, if you recall. Right, and the whole thing with him is he was the authority. Right. Vince was not acknowledged as the owner. No. It, it, Vince was just an announcer as far as the you know the, the common fan yeah. even knew. I mean, I know in the press Vince got some stuff. But, of course. It, you know, the kids watching Saturday morning didn't know Vince McMahon, who was no, the no, commentator, no. owned their, the company. Their parents might have. Their parents might have, right. Because he was in the news sometimes. And nobody really mentioned it. It wasn't like it was important that Vince McMahon owned it. No, it wasn't. Yeah. It was really inconsequential. Yeah. So basically, Tony would only really appear when something really mattered. Rarely got involved in storylines. Occasionally, Bad News Brown got physical with him once. Yeah. I know he presided over the wrestling classic tournament he, he was did. there or something he appeared at um, they were giving the car away the, yeah, the rolls the royce oh, phantom God. rolls royce silver cloud three yeah that what a weird show yeah that's that just weird in that weird like not model like <laughs> that 80s hot but not really but it's clearly someone in their office that's like a secretary <laughs> yeah some intern yeah <laughs> so basically um, then Tony, they, in real life, WWF, I guess, stopped working with the Tunnies to promote Canada, so they got rid of him as a figurehead president. I always, felt, I always got the impression that Tunney was retiring or something, too. Yeah, but from everything I understand is Vince took over promoting Canada, Toronto, you know, himself, and didn't need Tunney anymore. What was Tunney even doing? He was still, he, the whole time, he was still Canada's promoter. What does that mean, Canada? Promoting promote? the shows. You mean just like the physical promoting the of the physical shows, act all of handing of the out flyers yeah, and he, stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, sure. When he went around door to door handing out flyers, <laughs> like Chinese menus. No, like booking like television ads. Correct. And stuff like yes, that. all the promotion that would go into a show. Okay. He handled Toronto and other parts of Canada. In '95, Vince decided to do it himself. Didn't need Tony anymore, so he was no longer the president. Why do, you, why do you think that? I mean, he must have somebody that he hires to run Canada now. Probably even. cheaper for him to do it himself in 95. Well, in-house, you mean? Because it's yeah, not like in-house. Vince himself is talking to the, the no, TV man in Canada. But Instead of subbing out Jack Tony to do it and paying him to do it, he would rather just use his own in-house resources. Right. 
So they give the presidency then to Gorilla Monsoon, which I thought was a great pick. I thought it was great, and he was more prominent. I'll give I'll give them this. He was more prominent than Tunney. Well, if I recall, didn't he when he came in? He said he would be a more hands-on president or yeah, something like that. Yeah, voice of the fans type yeah. of thing. He he would make announcements. He came out. He did stuff. He started to noticeably like kind of not be as involved in mid '97. Well, that was because he got sick. Correct. And also, I always felt like. I know it wasn't the end of it, but I always felt when Vader Vader bombed him, that was kind of like the end of Gorilla, for the most part. Well, that was that was January '96. He came back um, a few months later at WrestleMania 12, actually. But he was actually officially the president until he died. They just never really mentioned it. I know, and and if I recall, they they I like this. We could do a whole podcast on the hierarchy history of yeah, the WWE, we, yeah, but hierarchy, but. If I recall, the commissioner was a sub, basically. It was, for, for the presidency. For the presidency. The presidency was never vacated. Yeah. Monsoon always held the presidency but until he died. Slaughter came in as the commissioner, right. but he was like, he was kind of running day-to-day operations. Kind yeah. of like, it's almost like the modern equivalent, like how now they have the GM and they actually have the commissioner. Yes. Like, that, but, that's what it is now. But the thing to remember, folks, all the thing—if you're a newer wrestling fan that maybe started watching after after the Vince, you know, after the Attitude Era, the, this sounds pretty obvious. Yeah, of course, you have an authority figure that makes matches. Slaughter was the next one. You know, August '97, he becomes the commissioner. He was really more involved than than Gorilla. Had but been. even his more involvement is nowhere close to like. Basically, it's not like how it is now, where the authority figure would come out and tell you all the matches at the beginning like it is now. Yeah. Like, that's not how this works. No. It's more like it's just assumed that that guy did all that and that they mentioned, oh, this match was signed, they got approval or Correct. whatever. Yeah. And, you know, and it was done and, you know, they just start wrestling at the beginning. Basically. Exactly. Like, there were just matches. Right. That's what, like, what it was they were better. to do is wrestle. Right. So You didn't have a 20-minute segment to explain why each match was signed <laughs> that night. It was like, no, well, they this were much is a wrestling more... show, <laughs> yeah, so, so there's going to be wrestling also. matches. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Like, you don't need to explain it. And Slaughter was the first one, really, and there were hints of it with Gorilla Monsoon, towards the end of his presidency, especially when he would be getting involved with Austin. You to get your ass out of this building. But Slaughter was the first one, really, that the fans really turned against. Right. Well, that was partially because of DX. Because of DX. And then Slaughter was still the commissioner, but Vince, one, once the heel Vince emerged, and he was like, I'm the owner, I'm the chairman, all right, that stuff. Right, and it was a slow reveal. Yeah, you know, that took well, probably was, a year and a half. Well, there was the initial, like, it slipped kind of thing. In 96, yeah. Where, like, it wasn't, it, well, it didn't slip, I'm not saying it slipped like it was unplanned, it was like a planned slipping of it. Like, yeah, where, they slowly started to reveal like, it Vince was something like, I, I felt like the initial times were like, where Sean or Brett would come and yell at, at Vince. Vince like, yeah. And you'd be like, why are they yelling at why him? Why are they yelling at Vince, yeah. Yeah, like... Or JR would acknowledge him sometimes as and the then owner and Austin stuff. Austin really pushed the pedal to the metal on on blaming Vince for everything. Correct, and especially when he stunned him. Right. Well, that was the we already really knew by that. Point. Yeah, but that I, was like the. But in the beginning the of Austin point. doing that, like mm-hmm. Vin, if you recall, when Vince, um, when Vince like gets stunned, he's like an interviewer in that. He's still an interviewer then. Yeah. Yeah. He he's there to interview Stone Cold. Right. Like that's not he's not there to ru- have have a ruling or anything. No, no, no. He's there to interview him. Um. Anyway, so by the time Vince 
was the Mr. McMahon character right. during the Attitude Era. Which was post the screw job, right? Yeah, yeah. Especially once Austin won the title is when, it, when yeah. he was going to wrestle him and all that. So by that time, that is when the template that is still going on today began to get set. And that's the, what I'm sick of. The and, boring age yeah. template. So Vince, because he's Vince, he was the most entertaining and groundbreaking version of this I that won't they've say it ever was, had. Yeah, I won't say it was bad when it started. That's it what I'm going to say. It was new. Yeah. So even though you had a commissioner, which was Slaughter, and then Shawn Michaels. Yeah, and that's and, when Vince was running. But it, it almost didn't matter that there was a commissioner at exactly, that point because right. Vince was, could overrule it, so it didn't Sometimes, freaking matter. Sometimes, Russo. Sometimes yeah. Austin was the CEO or something. Or No, he, well, that was because he won like the briefcase like, thing or whatever that, that was. That, something with Linda. I don't know. This all goes back to 99 being terrible. Yeah, I, I find it interesting. Uh, one funny thing about like WWE hierarchies that always made me laugh. Go on. Is that everyone owns some weird percentage of the company, and like if you start to dilute it, and like matches <laughs> where per- where percentages of the company were on the line back in '99, and like this and that, and like I think Shane and Vince won the briefcase, but they were supposed to like fifty fifty split their fifty <laughs> yeah, percent. Like it doesn't make any sense. I think you might be the commissioner right now, Quinn, because you, you you had stock for a while. Somehow Ric Flair probably owns it because remember he was yeah, like he, he bought something. Doesn't so, our great president own the? Oh no, wait, he sold it back. He to sold Vince. it back to Vince. Right. Yeah. Thank God Donald Trump's a Hulkamaniac! Yeah, there's all sorts of nonsense. The, the the percentage of ownership of the WWE in kayfabe is just so, like, weird. It, it's extremely weird. So, what I was saying is, when Vince was the evil authority figure, there was still a commissioner, first Slaughter, then Shawn Michaels, then Mick Foley. And he yeah. was fun. Foley was a good He had an office yeah. with, like... And that's post... That, again, that's post-McMahon, like, revealed. Right. So, folks, you're probably wondering, how do I miss something that I'm remembering? Huh? How do I miss a time where I'm remembering what? times that were fond about the thing I'm talking about, huh? right? What? Because it has not changed since then. That because is that my problem like with it. that was, 20 years ago what that we're talking about. That was about 20 years ago. Yeah. And to this day especially now with the resplitting of the brands it's like i'm the general manager this is gonna be the best show and then it's like no this is gonna be the best show. but then then what now it's even more this di- now it's even more diluted because you have a commissioner and a gm it, on one show yeah i know and then they both have to like caucus about what they're gonna do with like what like, i know you know what's nice turning on the tv and and the, the announcers are like starts. here's gonna be your matches tonight yeah and then you watch the matches yeah it's true and and i just i harken back for a day where it was just it was a it was a thing that the announcers would mention offhand that you know maybe a ruling came down or this match was signed to yes. be with these rules or they, whatever they would do it so much more succinctly i'm now i'm not subtly really and subtly i'm not harkening back i'm not saying let's take this shit back to 1981. No. What I'm saying is, even in the 90s, even during the Attitude Era, yeah. you didn't have all of this GM crap <laughs> wasting everyone's time talking about brands. Brands? Really? Brands? That's what this is boiled down to? You know what's funny about the WWE now? is that they Nothing always, is funny about no, the WWE listen, now. This is just a stupid thing, but they always complain that they don't have enough time on Raw in three hours. But wait, wait, wait. Listen, before you get all riled up about I'll that... I'll turn my volume down. Yeah. 
they complain about that, but then they go and waste 25 minutes on the GM talking about this or that and some, like, something – somebody's always got to fight them or whatever. Yeah, and I'm just – and another- That's like a – that's like a big portion of the show. Yeah, I know. And yeah. another thing that's overplayed is that there's an authority figure that doesn't like the top face. Enough of that shit. Yeah, the why? last time that was good was when it was Vince McMahon and Steve Austin. It's never going to be good. That is the only time it was good. <laughs> like, literally, it's never, ever motherfucking been good <laughs> since then. It sucks. I am so tired of it. It's a stupid, overplayed concept. I just want to watch wrestling matches because the wrestlers want to wrestle and see who's best. You know, wait, wait. Before we before we close on this, <sighs> I just want to give some props to NXT real quick. Yes, because because I was going to because I was because going to. Now Regal is the GM over there, right? Yeah, but he's not but an he, ass. He's a silent figure that he's not as silent as say a Jack Tunney, but he's there and he makes the matches and people will ask his permission and blah blah blah, right? But when there's a case where there's um there's a, a problem between a wrestler and him, yeah. It's never Regal pushing the issue. It's the wrestler has a problem with him, not the other way around. Which is the way it used to be. Wrestlers right. would have a problem with Tunny, or wrestlers would have a problem Tunny with Monsoon. Tunny didn't pick a fight no. with them. And it's the same, Regal does the same thing. The wrestlers pick a fight with him. Regal's trying to be fair and impartial. And then, like with this Samoa Joe thing, right. it's like Joe has pushed Regal's buttons so hard that he's like, now he's trying to get him out of there. Right, exactly. Like, so bottom line on this, folks is it's not that it was always a bad idea. Hmm. And on paper, it's not a horrible idea. It's that we have gone so many years now with it being the same general vague format, which is there's an authority figure, generally a heel, sometimes a face, that screws with the people on the show in the name of making the show better. Somehow that makes it better. And I'd rather just see wrestlers with real motivation, like, I want to be the best, or I want to kick your ass. Yeah, just I'd rather see the wrestlers fight with each other rather than some authority figure who can't fight. Exactly. Like, do you want to see Dana White come out before every UFC and, like, stir shit up for 30 minutes? And that that brings up, sorry, I I know we're going long, but it brings up one other thing. It's fine. Tell Lord Alfred to calm his horses over there. calm his horse. Calm down over there. What? You know what I can't stand about this this authority figure thing they do now? What? It's this whole thing with Stephanie, and because she can't get any comeuppance, nobody can touch her. Right. That she can just be a big asshole to everyone and nothing ever happens to her. Right, and, and just to contrast that real quick, and we're going to wrap up in a second. Whereas when it was Vince being a big asshole to Austin, it, was, it alternated like almost every week. Yeah. Like Vince would get his almost every week or every other week. The and, the bang when he was pissing his pants. Yeah. Or Austin would ruin his. And I'm car. not say that, saying that a guy should beat up a girl. I'm not no, saying I know, that. I know I'm that. saying I know. that in some way she, she, you know, dump mud on her or whatever. I don't know what they can do to get. That's like a Vince McMahon they, humor. They, dump mud on her. Well, I'm. Why don't they just take if, her to what would you do I'm and put her in the pie pod? If you can't physically touch her, then the, find a way to get her humiliated in such a way where she's gets come up and I know I feel point. like we've been waiting three years for that she got off. it once and it was like from like Vicky Guerrero and it didn't matter yeah it was like stupid like and it didn't affect anything no like so, it didn't you're right yeah. well speaking of getting your comeuppance we're gonna take a break and we'll be back right after this I like sports I could do something in sports <laughs> Uh-huh, uh-huh. In what capacity? You know, like the general manager. Monday night! 
that can be tough to get. <laughs> well, it doesn't even have to be the general manager. Maybe I could be like an announcer, like a color man. You know how I always make those interesting comments during the game? Puppies, JR! And welcome back to Our Vantage Point, your retro wrestling podcast, episode number 11, this Monday, December 19th. You can tweet at us on the Twitter at OVP Podcast. You can email us. You could subscribe at where, Quinn? iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher. There you go. I think on you can even subscribe on the Blueberry, I think. On the Blueberry, go to our website, ovppodcast.com. Give us an iTunes review. Yeah, we like the reviews. Yeah, we like this stuff. So our next segment, as we um, open up our second season here at our vantage point, our next segment is called What Do You Think Of? And each week, Quinn and I will alternate asking each other what we think of something, anything wrestling related. It could be a match. It could be a pay-per-view. It could be a wrestler. It could be a concept. It could be anything. So, Quinn, go for it. I thought I'd start with a fun, goofy one. All right. (laughs) What do you think of Hercules? <laughs> that is a fun, goofy one. Okay, Hercules, Hercules, Hercules. Hercules Hernandez. Hercules Hernandez, as he was originally known. Yeah. I'm what's, not, what's your feelings? I'm not entirely familiar of his pre-WWF work. I don't I'm, think it really matters. It doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> if anything didn't matter, Hercules before WWF doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah you're right. And Hercules after WWF and just, didn't matter. And Hercules in general really doesn't matter. I guess we'll focus on the WWF run. We'll focus on the run. WWF run. Um, well, I know that when he came in, he looked a lot different, which I liked. He yeah. had like a different garb and he had like the fro or something like well, that. Well, you know and what's... I liked that version of him. You know what's a little weird about Hercules? What? I always thought it was odd that, like, they would actually refer to him like he was a Greek god or something. See, that didn't make sense. He started off just being a guy named Hercules Hernandez. Right. Like, his name was Hercules Hernandez. Right. And then it turned into, somehow, he wasn't just a guy named Hercules Right. He was Hercules. He was pulling down pillars and stuff like that. He was like talking that. about pulling down the pillars of Rome. <laughs> it made and... no sense. And it's just like thousands of years ago when I took these chains and I pulled down the pillars of Rome. Okay, if you're going to make him like Hercules the... You're going to justify this. Go well, ahead. I no, want to hear this. I'm not even justifying. I'm saying this is what they did wrong. As if you're going to make him like the Hercules, yeah. right? uh-huh. Then why is he like not like invincible? Well, was like, Hercules invincible? He's a god or whatever, isn't he? I don't know. Is he a god? Isn't he a Greek god? Of what? Of heroicness? I don't know. Heroicness. But he's, he's you know, he's a mythical figure. Let's put it that way, right? He was just a steroided up wrestler was the problem. Right. <laughs> and that's how they treated him. It's just it's just a weird thing. It's like, and, and I feel like we're supposed to think his background story is actually like <laughs> if you read about Hercules, like in <laughs> Greek history or something, like... That they never, it's never clarified. Like I don't know. It's one of the weirdest things it ever. Is. Like even when I first started watching wrestling and I went back and watched the tapes, I like never got. <laughs> I it. never got it either. I was like, I don't understand. Like, and I also thought it was just a really lazy thing for like just a thing in wrestling. Like, hey, remember Hercules? Let's just make a character called Hercules. <laughs> like, yeah, I know. They might as they might as well have just done like Atlas. Yeah, they could have done anyone. They could have Zeus. Zeus. Well, they did Zeus. They did Zeus. But he wasn't that Zeus. He was somewhat invincible, though. Yeah, he was, but he wasn't, like, he. Was, they didn't go, oh, that's Zeus from the stories. He was whatever. also really good in Friday. 
Yeah. And the fifth element. He's all his name is also Tiny. Tiny Lister. Teeny. Teeny Lister. Yeah. So back to Hercules. Uh I like Hercules from like his 86 87 ish period. I like him at WrestleMania 3. I like him at 3 against Billy Jerk Haynes. When he beats the poo out of Billy Jerk with the chain. Yeah, and I like him at WrestleMania 2. I forgot off the top of my head. Ricky Steamboat. Ricky Steamboat, thank you. I don't know. He's like okay that, at that. I like that version of him. It's okay, yeah, with the leather, whatever that is. I'll tell on. you what match sucks as shit, though, is his match against Warrior at WrestleMania 4. Ooh, I, that is I forgot about awful, that. Awful, awful wrestling. Yeah, he is. He never was the best. No, but, but he, I always he had sensed, some periods of time of not being horrible. Yeah, but I always <laughs> sensed they wanted him to be like the Intercontinental Champion or something. I don't know. I mean, you know what? He had a pretty high-profile match against uh, the Hawkster, Hawk Hogan, yeah. at it, Saturday Night's Main Event, and I think That 86. was like the last time he was heel, right? November, no, no, no. In, oh, wait, in that's November earlier. Of, in okay, November of 86, I think. Never mind, yeah. And then he had a good IC title match against Steamboat in May of 87, I want to say. And you could say the guy could work sometimes. Yeah, he could when he wanted to. But once 88 hit, oh my gosh, he was awful in 88. And then, But that, that's when they start giving the big push to him. That's because he turned face. DiBiase tries to buy him as a slave or something like that, remember? And he How turned, is Hercules the Greek god a slave? I don't understand. He's not. He didn't take the contract. I guess he's not a Greek. What? What is Hercules again? I he, think he was like just, somebody's son or something. The actual mythological I Hercules? I think he's like Zeus's son. He's Kevin Sorbo. Stop. No. No. He's like he lives on Earth and he's like the son of a god in a person or something. I don't know. He's this, like a mix. This mm-hmm. isn't our retro mythology podcast. Yeah, Quinn. but I'm saying like why is how could he be a slave if he's also that? How could like, he be retro mythology? Is there any current mythology? No, there isn't current mythology. The WWE is current mythology. <laughs> yeah. But, so he was okay uh as a face, but he wasn't like a great face. No. I, I do like Earthquake squashing him at WrestleMania 6. It's you pretty know, fun. Yeah, it is pretty fun. What do you think of Power and Glory, Hercules? <sighs> this is... I have a problem with that. I knew you did. I First of all, it. he looks completely different. <laughs> he looks horrible. He looks like garbage. <laughs> he looks like he should be working at a junkyard somewhere. Why, Why does he look di- like Selling he's a different... scrap metal. Does, did he shave some facial hair? Yes, Why does he, he did. Look, well, he looks like a different person. He only had a mustache. And his hair is different, too. He's, he's got more greasy. of a mullet. He's all chubby. Yeah. <laughs> he has pants. It's like it's like they were like, Paul Roma's got to look young and good compared <laughs> to him. So, Hercules, just look like you rolled out of bed and don't do anything to take care of yourself. <laughs> That's basically probably the truth. Yeah. He looked like dog shit. <laughs> and somehow Slick's involved. Yeah, that was a waste of slick, too. Yeah. No jive soul, bro, for Power and Glory. Yeah, what even... Did they have music? I don't even know if they had music. I don't remember. It was probably just the sound of them grunting while they lifted weights. (laughs) They were always on pay-per-view, already in the ring, which I always thought was weird. They got the jobber entrance, right? Always. Always. And they had those stupid sunglasses on with the... The pink. The red, pink thing on the side of (laughs) them. They looked like idiots. They looked terrible. I do think their name was good. Power and Glory is a great name. name, But when you treat them like jobbers... And then they have to have that match with the Rockers where Marty Jannetty gets injured. No, Michaels. Shawn Michaels gets injured, right. And and then they kind of like... They kill them. They they kill Jannetty. I thought that would have elevated them, but they kind of were nothing after that. I've heard through the grapevine that before Vince signed the Nasty Boys... Uh, that Power and Glory was in line for somewhat of a push. But then he got his hands on the Nasty Boys later in 90 after SummerSlam, so all that shit went out the window. No offense, but why were the Nasty Boys ever considered a big deal? They're just big, fat idiots. They were unique, actually. Their gimmick was somewhat unique. 
Mm-hmm. They were dressed in all black. They were kind of just like rough assholes. Yeah, but they always seem like goofs. I mean, when you're hanging out with the Mountie, it's hard to take <laughs> you seriously. Like... <laughs> <laughs> Plus, they were managed by Jimmy Hart, yeah. the B manager. Yeah, exactly. That never—that was always a strike against it's you. Just problems. I don't know. I just never really. It just never seemed to me like the Nasty Boys were ever gonna. I'm, I was always surprised that they won the tag titles. To be honest with you, would you have taken a Power and Glory run instead of the Nasties run? That's a tough question because I, I don't like Power and Glory much either. But yeah, I why would it taken a Rockers run? Why couldn't we have that? Like, don't know. That's one of that's one of uh, the unanswered questions in wrestling yeah. mythology. That's if 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 there's anybody in that year and time that should have had the belts, it was them. Well, they did give them to him, if you remember. Yeah, against for, the hearts, but, but not really. But they didn't. Yeah, because the <laughs> ring rope broke. That's the fake reason. Wait, that's is the fake? I thought the match just stunk. It wasn't like, very good. It's not horrible, but the, the <laughs> that's the kayfabe reason. It was because the, Vince was going to fire Neidhart. And then he why? decided, I don't know, because why? Jim Neidhart sucks. Well, he did have a lot of drug <laughs> he, like, problems. He really does suck. Remember, not... the, remember the time he, he, this is way later in time, but remember the time when he broke into somebody's house and like no. went in their medicine cabinet and stole their pills and he got arrested? No. Yeah, that happened. Oh. That was like in the last couple years. Oh, Anvil. Yeah. But then didn't Danny Spivey come and help him? That's what happened. Danny Spivey helped him. <laughs> It's true. My dad will listen to Danny. And then he was like, lives are going to be yeah, in Danny that's Spivey's hands. <laughs> Gary Spivey's hands. Yeah, Gary. So back to Hercules. What do I think of him? Overall, four out of ten. <laughs> yeah. I, I, He's I, not very good. You know what they always messed up on? Just one what? last thing. that when yeah. you, you went to Power and Glory, but I wanted to say one other thing. Keep going. Yeah, it's fine. They messed up when he was... When he turned face, it made that chain useless. Like, he just never used it anymore. He had it, but it was like it didn't do anything. You know what? It's like how the boss man's nightstick became useless when he turned face. Yeah, it's like, whoa, this is like one of the trademark things of this character, and he just never gets to use I it. I never thought of that. You're right. Yeah. He went from busting Billy Jerk Haynes in the face with it to fighting the Ultimate Warrior with it. Right. To just losing. Yeah, it sucked. <laughs> he was a loser. Overall, Hercules was a loser. Yeah, he stunk. I mean, it's sad because, you know, he died in the early 2000s, and he was probably a decent guy, probably a good human being. Yeah, I I had never heard a bad thing about him. It wasn't like that. It was just professional. I'm just talking from a A wrestling wrestling aspect, yes. He kind of, I'm not going to say he was the worst thing, because he wasn't. He wasn't the worst thing ever. No. He had an interesting look in his earlier years before he got all bloody. Yeah. He just he just never amounted to anything. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I know, and it's sad because I think he did have the potential earlier on in the eighties, in the right. mid eighties, and I think he probably was much more motivated back then. He was. He was hungry. You could tell. Yeah, and then you could tell in the nineties that he ate because he was he, would eat, he, he looked he like an Alka Seltzer right. commercial. Yeah. Looked like shit. he looked like somebody's bloated grandpa after Thanksgiving. <laughs> he didn't look good. I'm no, sorry. He didn't look good. He did not look good. Just greasy. Just. just and I don't think he ever went anywhere after WWE, right? Well, he went to WCW as, I, I want to say, Super Invader number 2 in 92. I don't think he was ever unmasked. That's what we meant at the beginning about there's really nothing <laughs> else to say. He went to, to Japan, and he teamed with, this is actually a cool sounding team. I don't know how it was. Hercules and Scott Norton were a team in Japan. I could I think, see that. For a bit. They kind of yeah. look like the same thing. But yeah, <laughs> and that was around '94. I don't know what he did after that. I know he probably retired in the late '90s. Yeah, I would imagine. And that was that was kind of it. Um, 
a little bit of a wasted potential, honestly. Yeah, almost a missed opportunity. <laughs> yeah, you, say, could, but... you could call it a missed opportunity, but we won't call it that. No, that's but not that's what not what anymore. we do on season two. So. so what's your overall verdict on Hercules? Um, A lot of potential, like you said, yep. but just kind of just wasted. Kind of just wasted, yeah. A wasted opportunity. Unfortunately. Yeah. Decent, but not great. You I know? think turning him face was a fatal error. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, in the end, yep, I agree. Because I don't know, I don't know how much more mileage they could have had. They should have just fired him in '89. Aw, oh, I'm sorry, but I mean, like, you know, I don't know. I feel like every time I watch WrestleMania six, I'm like comforted that he's there. You so know, it's like I'm glad you brought up WrestleMania six because our next segment, okay, is called one of my favorites, and in this segment, Quinn and I will alternate sharing one of our favorite things from wrestling's past. And believe it or not, mine was, and still is, WrestleMania huh. six. I We didn't plan that, folks. No, I that's swear. not planned, but yeah. it's good timing, and it is time to segue. Anyway, so WrestleMania six. I'll set the stage here a little bit. Go for it. This was a big deal, um, whereas the previous two WrestleManias had been held at sweaty-ass, cocaine-filled... <laughs> Drunken cigar smoky Trump Plaza Hotel and Casino in beautiful Atlantic City, New Jersey, our home state yes. of New Jersey. Um, Owned at the time by the President of the United States. Yes, Donald J. Trump. Yeah. Uh, and three was held at, you know, 93,000 or 78, if you believe Meltzer. I don't really care what the attendances don't tell us about it. It looks I like 93,000 yeah, to me. But I really could give a shit. Yeah. It's a lot of freaking people. How about that? It's a lot. Yeah. And and it, that was in Pontiac, Michigan. Hogan Andre. So that was a big dome show. Then you have these two years of dump. Two years you know, of a convention awful, hall or awful. whatever. Yeah, just awful crowds. Just <laughs> terrible. I mean, the cards were... I mean, four was really shitty. Five was not much better. Good main event. Then six happens. I love six. And me too. It's so good. Six is awesome. Six is the first international WrestleMania. It's in Toronto, Canada. Canada, yeah. The Sky Dome, which had just opened a year before. Brand new, Toronto Blue Jays Stadium. Yep, uh, brand new. Open ceiling. Over, it, the mm-hmm. ceiling could open, but it wasn't open at WrestleMania. It wasn't open, but. no. Over 60,000 people. I Maybe around 66, 67, I don't a remember. A gigantic jumbotron, which was new back then. Yeah, that was. it was actually a very large screen. Yeah. Um, and they brought back the motorized carts from WrestleMania 3. I love that. I know, me and too. A I lot f- of people do. I feel like it's a souped-up version of 3. It Six. is. It's, it's not as good as 3, but it's like a... No, it's, it's not a, as good as three. It's more right. polished than three. It's more polished than three. You know what's a thing? I know we're not talking about three right now. Go ahead, though. But you know what's a thing about three that's really weird? Mm. I always felt like after the Macho Man Steamboat match, all of a sudden it gets really, really dark. dark in that place. Like, No, it did. But when you're in Sky Dome, on the other hand... It's always it, dark. It's, al- it's always the right lighting. Yeah, the lighting's it's, it's perfect. It's always dark. Yeah. So. So WWF really did a great job, and this was a really big... This is that match, Hulk Hogan, world champion, title for title against the Intercontinental Champion Ultimate Warrior. That is your definition, folks, of a main event. Title for title? Of course it is. In any wrestling, yes. That is I still wish they would do a title for title main event at WrestleMania again. They never did it again, right? um, Not that I know of. Not that I know of. Not at the WrestleMania, I feel like you could have even done it and even the nowadays and a couple years when they had the split, I never understood why the two world champions didn't fight at WrestleMania once. Yeah, I don't know. Like, it never happened. Yeah. It, this it, match was a huge deal, though, because you had Hulk Hogan. And in 90, he was still Hulk Hogan. Oh, he was still the man. This is pretty much the end of the original 
Run. 80, 84 yeah. to 90 Hogan run. It was intended to be. It was intended to be. And you had the up-and-coming Ultimate Warrior, who was a sensation. He had come on the scene in 87. He was over. Won the Intercontinental title from the Honky Tonk Man in 88. And had WrestleMania that... 6, he has his best hair ever. Yeah, he does have awesome hair at 6. Yeah. So that's your main event. But not only that, folks, here's what else is going on. You've got the last appearance of Andre the Giant. Which is a big deal. He was a tag champion with Haku. His only real title. Yep. Because I really don't count that world title. No, he, I know. He, he's claimed to be the world champion, but he's not. Really. Actually, he claimed to be the world tag team championship. The world tag team championship. Yeah, he claimed, but I'm saying in, in the in the title history, if you go on the dot com even now, Andre considered a champion, but right. that didn't really count. No. Um, For like three seconds, yeah, he was a champion. I know. So... You've got them facing Demolition, the consummate definition of a Vince McMahon WWF 1980s team. That's what I was going to say. Total 1980s team. Yep. Like, just awesome. In the same way that someone we like, James Wolfe, said that Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the movie, is the end of the 80s and the beginning of the 90s, WrestleMania VI yep. is the wrestling equivalent. This is the pay-per-view. This is the end of the 80s and the beginning of the 90s. Just, it, it's almost... It's, for better or for worse. It's kind of funny because that same... There's a parallel to be found here. If you know, WrestleMania 17 was the end of the Attitude, Attitude era, era, and that was also in Skydome, if I recall. No, it was in Houston. 18 was in Skydome. Oh. You, you were close, though. It's okay. It's okay. I, I have, damn. You were off by a year. It's not bad, Quinn. Still, it's the first stadium show in a long time also. 17, yeah, it yeah. was. So let's get back to six here. So <laughs> so you have the the uh, the tag team match that I just mentioned. Not only that, you have some new faces, like Earthquake. Right. Who was not an 80s guy, but who did he fight? He fought Hercules. Who was an 80s guy, right? Right, yeah. And he squashes the crap out of him. He beats the poop. So I'm, just, I'm not going to do a match-by-match match rundown, but you have up-and-coming Rick Martel, who was an 80s face in, like... In the opener, turn- yeah. Yeah, and he's fighting a, another 80s guy, Coco Beware. Yeah. Who lingered around, but he was always a JTTS after that. No, he was never as big as he was. Never. After. Yeah. You know, so... That's just a feel for the card. I'm not going to run down the whole thing. People have done reviews of it. We're not here to do a review Here's of the show. Here's the thing about the card. Yeah, go ahead. I don't want anyone to get the impression like this is the best wrestling no, card. No, no, it's not. No, and I mean it in a, even a work rate. It's not. No, it's definitely not. But, but a big but, it hits all the check marks of feel good. Like, just everything just feels good Great at this wrestling atmosphere. Yeah. It's the Even the interviews... The interviews are fantastic. You've got Rona Barrett interviewing Elizabeth. That's a personal favorite of me and Quinn. Oh, Rona. Hello, Rona. Well, thank you, Rona. You haven't nearly been as active in the World Wrestling Federation. Well, it's true that most of my participation in the World Wrestling Federation these days has been in an advisory capacity. Oh, thank you, Rona. Thank you, Rona. I'll have to put some of this in Advisory in capacity. Yeah, it's too good to not put in somewhere in post. Brutus but... the Barber Beefcake, what are you doing? Yeah. Brutus the Barber Beefcake, what are you doing? Brutus the Barber, that's Sean Mooney. Brutus the Barber Beefcake, what are you doing? Then there's also um, the whole, like, porn. Oh, Jesse Ventura was in porn. Yeah. And they're, they're, gorillas. They're like, no, we want to see the footage. Wait a minute. X-rated type Wait a minute. Stuff. We have the footage. John is standing by with the, the macho yeah. <laughs> And also the Jake the Snake Everest promo. Wallowing in the muck. Of avarice. Uh, avarice. Avarice. Wallowing in the muck of avarice. Avarice. Yes. Sorry, yes. It's quite all right. It, yeah. It's and, a big word. I'm sorry. And they're doing, and they're doing the wave during that match because yeah, it gets Jesse boring gets for a while. Jesse gets excited about it. Look, they're doing the wave, Monsoon. It's coming to us. Coming to you, Gorilla here. Stand up. It's to us. 
That's another thing I wanted to mention is Jesse Ventura. That's his last pay-per-view. He stuck around till August, but that's his last pay-per-view with, and he's the consummate heel commentator of the 80s. Right. And he's with the consummate face commentator of the 80s, Gorilla Monsoon. Yep. That's their last time together. It's sad. And they are awesome at that They're show. They're really good. And Jesse really does a good job making that show feel big, and so does Gorilla as usual. So does Gorilla as usual, and yeah. Their, their, their banter is great. It's hysterical. Um, you know, mustard on the lapels. Yeah, and the, stuffing another hot dog down during inter- every interview. You can't stuffing a hot dog again. Oh, I didn't have any hot dogs. You've only had seven. You got mustard all over your lapels. I do not. Look at you. You're a mess, Monsoon. I also like the fact that they call back again to Terry, Tyrell, and Jade. Yes. Always. Um, 65,000 plus two, me and yeah. you. Yep. Another thing they used to say. Yep. And there's also Jesse Ventura during the mixed tag match. Yeah. Which oh, is... my. It's Rhodes touch Sherry first. Yep. Rhodes touch Sherry first. Rhodes touch Sherry first. He's on Dusty Rhodes and Sapphire throughout that entire match. He's, it's good. He's hilarious. Um, Quinn and I would often say, because we've watched this show separately and together numerous times, and what do we say that WrestleMania 6 is like, Quinn? WrestleMania 6 is an old friend. It's an old friend. You can turn it on at any time. It never lets you down. It never lets you down. It's just a feel-good show. So, again, if you're looking for the work rate, go watch something from fucking Japan, okay? Yeah. <laughs> All right? But, like, honestly, if you just want to... If you're a retro wrestling fan and, and you, you want to feel good... You want to feel good three hours, you could throw on WrestleMania 6 as we've done at random intervals in our lives <laughs> as teenagers, as in our 20s, and now in our 30s. As adults. It yeah. never lets me down. It's a feel-good show. It is one of my personal favorite WrestleManias. I want to watch it right now just talking Seriously, about it. It's so good. It's got so many classic, to us anyway, but like just really fun little moments. I mean, it, you think about some of the things that happened there. Demolition won their final tag team titles the there. Peat. They three-peated. And that was, the, that was it. Demolition turned heel shortly after that. The music. With their horrible music. Yeah. Uh, the Hart Foundation re-emerged because they really weren't that big a deal they for a while. The- living shit out of the Bolsheviks, like, in an awesome fashion. 19 seconds or something. Like, hard attack immediately to them. Which reminds me, there's a very funny segment with them in the bathroom with Steve Allen. I'm here in this proper acoustic environment. (laughs) And then then he does, like, he does the Polish national anthem, but but it's not really the Polish national anthem. Pop goes the weasel. Yeah, there's just so many... The celebrities at this WrestleMania are just... Steve Allen's very funny. Steve Allen's funny. He does the snooka match with the That's My Wife's Underwear. Yeah. And, Jimmy Snooka, yeah. wearing my wife's underwear. He's wearing my wife's underwear. Um, you got... Rona Barrett Rona does Barrett. her job well. <laughs> Rona Barrett's fine, yeah. Yep. Um, who else? Robert Goulet. Robert Goulet Say, at the opening. By the way, Quinn and I know the words to the Canadian National Anthem, yeah. and it's because of WrestleMania Six. Basically. I mean, I wouldn't... <laughs> I would not know Canadian. It. Yeah, we wouldn't know it. Scott otherwise. would know it, but Scott Keith. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he's Canadian, but we we know it. Yep. I also know the Russian national anthem, even though I don't speak Russian. Yeah, and we could sing it for you. I don't think we should. No, I don't <laughs> think that's a good idea. But um, just yeah, it's just a great, great WrestleMania. It's also got the last pay per view appearance of Randy Savage before he started wearing the stupid cowboy hat. He's got no shirt on, and he's got no shirt on. Yep. That's yep. <laughs> all that really needs to be said about that. It's Mr. Perfect's first acknowledged defeat, even though he had lost at house shows. He was allegedly still undefeated. Yeah. And Beefcake, well, that was supposed to be the big ending to the Perfect streak, right? Yes, and then Beefcake, obviously, was uh, the guy that beat him and was supposed to, again, beat him at SummerSlam until he power-sailed and broke his face. Yeah. 
Yeah, and then they had to replace him, and that never really worked out. So really, accidentally, it's the end of Brutus Beefcake as, as the Brutus Beefcake so from the 80s. But you could argue that Bossman's getting a huge push at that Mania. That's show. the other thing. Bossman, who was a heel, now I love is now a This big is a face. moment I love at this show. Is Right before that, DiBiase has a really long match, the match we were talking about with the wave with Jake the Snake. Yeah, it's like 20 minutes almost. And, well, yeah. And... um. First of all, actually, let's let's de- deep dive into that a little bit because it plays all into it. Yeah, is that at the end of it, like kind of Jake is getting the snake and all this stuff, and Virgil has to run away with the million dollar belt, and he he freaking full flies, sp- fly, yeah. like really fast. He yeah. like flies down without DiBiase, right? Yep, and then he drops the million dollar belt off in the back and then he flies back out and saves DiBiase at the last second before Jake's about to finally get the snake on uh, around his neck or whatever. Yep, yep. Fantastic moment. Yep. But then in all of this j- what you're not supposed to notice is Virgil only pulled him out. He didn't bring him to the back. Right. Now, DiBiase um comes back later, mm-hmm. but in such a way where he's related to the boss man versus Akeem match. Yeah, we mentioned this a few weeks ago, actually, too, when we were talking about yeah. the boss man. Boss man, um, DiBiase tried to bribe the boss man a few weeks before WrestleMania. And it led to the, the Twin Towers breaking up. Correct. So boss man was now fighting Akeem. At WrestleMania, at WrestleMania. to blow off that first before he fought DiBiase, right? Yep. So what happens? So what ends up happening is, is that you're not really supposed to notice this, but DiBiase made his way under the ring. And in the middle of the boss man match, DiBiase comes out of freaking nowhere yep. and atta- attacks a big boss man, but the big boss man somehow figures out a way to win or whatever. Yeah, but, yep. Yeah, it's just a good little touch that th- I like how those two things were connected. Very simply, too. Yeah. No GM coming out and doing a 20-minute promo. Yeah, they were just connected through various things just going on in the World Wrestling yep. Federation at the time, <laughs> as right. Rona Barrow would say. World Wrestling Federation. Oh, yeah. speaking of celebrities, Mary Tyler Moore is there, interviewed uh, by Sean Mooney. She clearly has no idea what's going on yep she doesn't even want to be interviewed you could no, tell. no she has no idea what and to so say she'll always be mary hart to me or whatever mary, <laughs> mary richards mary richards that's what mooney yeah, says she's not mary hart that's no, sorry wrestlemania just, 3 is mary hart always mary richards to me yes you know mary hart was very good at wrestlemania 3 oh, she by was the way excellent. her and euchre man way better than susan st james uh-oh at wrestlemania 2 uh-oh uh-oh. That's another topic altogether. <laughs> but so, yeah, WrestleMania six. And then, yeah, so awesome. And before we wrap this one up, you know, uh, right before the main event, Rick Rude squashes Jimmy Snuka, another '80s Bear, yep. superstar. That's a good thread you noticed there, right? Yeah. So you get to the main event, and this, folks, is like I said, the definition, a like a just. Main event. You know, you got your Hogan Andre, that's a main event, right? right. Hogan Savage, that's a main event. And this is another one yep. where it's Hogan Warrior. That's a title main for event. Title. Yeah, title for title. The I first love, time they ever fought. I love the visual of the Intercontinental title around the Warrior's waist and Hogan with the world title around his waist. It's one of those. They always do it nowadays with the nose-to-nose, Yeah, but back then, them wearing their belts, nose-to-nose, looking at it, was so epic, yep. and Hebner picking up both of the belts and holding them up, and they yeah. they look larger than life, like, they look so important. Mm-hmm. It's like, holy crap, like, this is what I always wanted, because... They always had talked about if you're the Intercontinental Champion, you're really the first in line for the world title. Right, and this, yeah. now it's finally happening right. with the added caveat that the IC title is also on the line. Exactly. Like, 
it was unprecedented. It, it was way before the days of overexposure. These two did not wrestle before this. Yeah, it was set up at the Rumble. It was set up at the Rumble. Yes, they ran that's right. into each other in the Royal Rumble, and it was just like by these, accident. These were two big faces. There yeah. was no pre-existing history. No, it worked because Hogan was Hulk Hogan. Yeah, and it and worked because the warrior, warrior was, was warrior. the Ultimate Warrior. And, yeah, and they were each champions. Now so, that they also had a great, great promos before this too. If we're going to talk about the they did. A bit, I mean, that planes crashing. Yeah, into, the Warrior was yeah. just. Nuts. I mean, Hogan was nuts as usual, but Warrior Both was were especially nuts. nuts. It's yeah. like they were trying to out nuts each other's promos, but they're they're memorable. And this is the last of, like I said, the 80s version of Hulk Hogan. Because anything after this, he's an insufferable asshole. <laughs> he just is, and he's, like, thinner looking. Like, he looks weird. He's less steroid He seems to have a chip on his shoulder yeah, that I don't like after this. He's just so dicky after yeah, this. Yeah, I mean, not that he was always the most upstanding guy. No, but at but least But there's he, a different charm about this. The chip wasn't there as much as it is during Right, it this. was more like a crumb. Yeah. It becomes a freaking Pringle later it's a, on. It's a, it's a big black and white cookie like chocolate chip cookie whatever kind of cookie i i thought the black and white because it's bigger than the chocolate chip but mm. no that's that's fine yeah i like those yeah they're good black and white black and white cookie they're yeah. good yeah so you finally have this main event and man this is not like you know those are the days before the smart crowds yeah i know the internet was around back then but it was like 18 people this is before the smarks everybody okay <laughs> yeah it, and they were on like a message form and they couldn't yeah, even they're talk on fucking usenet yeah. or rspw yeah. dot rec dot sports whatever the hell it was <laughs> dot fuck you yeah so basically hogan warrior and the crowd i swear really is like 50 50 50 50 there's no booing and the roof is literally blowing off this place like it, it's That's so right, loud yeah it's i know so loud there's no booing there's no booing it's just cheering when anyone does anything and i love the ending because a hogan loses and this is a big deal at the time because hogan never loses Clean, at WrestleMania ever, ever. Just clean ever. ever. Yeah, clean. He Even on, clean. Andre didn't beat him clean. And then Hogan, like, very awesomely comes in with his belt, Crying. puts it over his shoulder Crying. like it's like he's never going to be the champion again. And, like, people kind of thought that, too. Yeah. He hands the belt to Warrior, raises his hand, and Warrior, the, the visual of Warrior doing his Warrior arms in the with air thing belts. with both belts, I'll never forget it. It's awesome. It is awesome. It is one of the great moments. And if it ended right there and they lived happily ever after, that would have been great. It didn't. Hogan went on. He made Suburban Commando. He came back. He was War- still the main focus. Warrior push never worked. Warrior push never worked, and so on and so forth. You the know rest the story. Is history. But as a self-contained event to watch, fantastic. And also, especially with the context of it being the end of a lot of the '80s mentality right. and stars, yeah, and the beginning of a new era. Again, for better or for worse, I'm not saying the new era was great. No, but you know, ninety one was good. Ninety two was it good. The, it wasn't the true end of the it era. Wasn't, but there it was, was about two years left. But but there was a lot of torch passing going yeah. on implicitly at WrestleMania six. Yeah, because just for comparison, the next pay per view had Vince McMahon and Roddy Piper on commentary. Yeah, the everything, next everything had the LOD. starts to change. Yeah, yeah, the next pay-per-view had Power and Glory. Yeah, the next pay-per-view had Earthquake as the main heel. The Rockers are more prominent. Yeah, the, yeah. yeah, their match it sucked at WrestleMania it, 6. You always make fun. I, one final <laughs> closing note. You always, and it always lasts, I always laugh about the ending to the Rockers match because of Janetti. What do you always, like, he just, like, gets the salt in his eye. and then, He gets the salt <laughs> in his eye, and he just, like, trips over the 
railing and looks like a freaking idiot. Yeah, he just looks He like- also looks like because of the salts in his eye, it's like you can see like the cocaine on him practically. <laughs> like like seriously though cuz you know the reason they lost was because one of them was high. They were both probably both high yeah. and fucked up. The reason they they probably were I guarantee you they were supposed to go over and they saw them that day and they said, "Uh-uh." You don't think so? I, I don't know. I thought that they were probably The Orient put- Express beating them. Come on. And that's the shitty version. And not even to mention the ending is like a weird count out dumb thing. So it's like to me it seemed like they were protecting them but they were also punishing them. <laughs> I don't know, man. I just it's terrible. It is terrible. But you know what's not terrible? What? Taking a break. So we'll be back right after this. <laughs> oh, hi folks. I'm here in this uh, appropriate acoustic environment to rehearse the Russian national anthem with my favorite Soviet Union tag team partners, Nikolai Volkov and Boris Yukov. You ready, guys? Okay, I don't plan to hit it that hard, but I'll do my best. I get no kick from Ukraine. Hey, that's not the Russian national anthem. I know that. It's just a little joke to warm up the crowd. Give us a break here. Okay, here we go. Hey, hey yourself. I know it's not the Russian national anthem. What is it? You play the Polish national anthem. <laughs> well, send your postcards directly to him. Anyway, we're still warming up. Here we go now. A one and a two and... Perestroika and Glasnost, I dig them the utmost. And how is your sister tonight? Hey, you're getting hot for your warming up. Let's go. Enough with the hay. No more stalling. Okay, let's do one from the hard folks. Let's do one for the homeland. Let's hear it from Mother Russia. Here we go. I don't believe you. Take it easy. On that note, this is Steve Allen in the speedstick room. Sending it back up to you, Jesse. I'm going to get out of here. You can get killed around here. And welcome back to our Vantage Point, your retro wrestling podcast, episode number 11. It is unfortunately time for our final segment, Quinn. It's been quite an episode, It's been quite an episode, new format, new season, season two. Yeah, we're getting used to it. We are getting used to it here at OVP from Script Sketch Studios. In New Jersey. In beautiful New Jersey. We are ready for our last segment. This is a new one, of course. And in this segment, it's called "We're Reviewing Something." Yeah, That's right. We're actually going to review something. We've we've heard the requests. We've heard the request. Now it's not your freaking pay per views. Everyone does that. No, it's not your weekly episodes of Raw and Nitro. And we're not going to go in any particular order either. No, we are going to give you a random smattering of syndicated or you know network shows that uh, WWF did, NWA, who knows, maybe Global, maybe Smoky Mountain. Who knows? We'll see we where it know. we'll see where it takes our viewing taste take us. Right, but our taste took us to 1978 this time around. Then now we're really going back. We are digging deep. This is a review of WWF Extra W. Extra W. Worldwide Federation Championship Wrestling. Worldwide from- Wrestling Federation. You sound like Andre right now. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Um, championship Wrestling from December 16th, 1978, long before we were born. And boy, was it something. It was something. We sat down and we watched this together, and we have some notes here. And basically what I'm going to do, and Quinn is going to do, is we're going to run you through the card. There are no star ratings. Oh, th- th- <laughs> this this definitely doesn't dictate any star ratings, I'll tell you <laughs> that much. There is no match play-by-play. 
This is just our general notes, thoughts, observations from the show. So Championship Wrestling, just so you know, folks, that was one of their main shows, actually, was it, it not, It Quinn? was basically like what Raw is, or yeah. and it was, you know, it was predated Superstars, which was yes. the main show. Championship it, Wrestling turned into Superstars in 1986. Yes, and Championship Wrestling was preceded by Heavyweight Wrestling. Right, in the 50s or yeah, 60s Yeah, Heavyweight or Wrestling became the B show, and Championship Wrestling became, became the, the A, a show. show. Right. So this is the A show from the Worldwide Wrestling Federation in 1978, at a time where they were actually still members of the NWA. Also, Vince Jr. did not own the company. Vince Jr. did not own the company. Although he's involved. He is the announcer. So the show opens with Vince McMahon and Bruno Sammartino as his co-host. and Br- big freaking afro. <laughs> Bruno has a giant fro. He <laughs> looks ludicrous. They're both wearing these canary yellow suits. Now, with the resolution of these old shows, <laughs> those yellow jackets like shine like like the fuzz around them is shining they look like, like peeps <laughs> they look they look like yeah they look like chickens <laughs> they're like the gobbledygookers they basically look like two gobbledygookers and they run down the card so here's what we have in store for this show we okay. have newcomer greg valentine who is well known in the south according to vince he this is his day butt this is his debut. In, in the Worldwide Wrestling Federation. We have the thrilling team, my description, not Vince's, of Larry Zabisco and Tony Gurria. Nabisco. We have the return of the Valiant Brothers. More on that later. And then we open with a Fred Blassie promo, and he is with who, Quinn? He's with the, the High Chief, right? Yeah, but what is Peter Maivia? Not a face. No, this no, no. This is very weird. I've never seen in all my, like, years of watching wrestling and you know the wwf like that's the rocks dad granddad whatever you know like i've never seen them say that he was ever a heel i didn't know he was a heel so shame on us i guess right we didn't know that not only is peter Maivia a heel he's the number one contender and he's managed by blassie that's different and he has a mustache Yes, he he looks cool, actually. He actually looks a lot cooler. Yeah. And he's got a watch on, but, like, his usual <laughs> yeah. Samoan garb. Yeah, it's weird, because isn't he supposed to be, like, some kind of, like... <laughs> he's got, like, a like, fucking Rolex on. He's supposed to be, like, some kind of native, but he has, a like, a Rolex. Yeah. So they cut this pretty unmemorable promo, and Blasting looks like fucking Leslie Nielsen in Airplane. <laughs> yeah, he looks <laughs> He like just a, does. I don't is know he why. Wearing, is he wearing a baby blue? Yes. Yes, that's what... He is. And then Maivia ends the promo with this great line... I'm going to make him feel so, like, that much. And he signals with his finger, like... Like an inch. Because I'm going to make him feel so, like, that much. Like Like, an inch, yeah. He makes an inch with his finger. And he's talking about Bob Backlund. He's talking about Backlund. He's the number one contender to Bob Backlund's title. So we move to our first match, and it's Quinn's favorite ring announcer, the guy that's 109 years old. What is his even... I don't know know what his name is. (laughs) And this... God, nah. <laughs> Here in the corner to my right. Greg Valentine. So he introduces all the fucking commissioners and all these other authorities and stuff. Right. And of course, your ringside doctor is none other than George Zahorian. And if you don't know who he is, that's the guy that uh, basically the trial where Vince like almost lost everything. Like it yeah. was the, the Zahorian trial. The Zahorian trial, the steroid guy. The steroid guy is in attendance. Also very notable is two of the referees are named Dick. Is that true? Yes. (laughs) I didn't know that. Two of the referees, Dick Kroll and Dick Whirly. Dick Whirly. Dick Whirly. Dick Whirl. That does not sound good. That doesn't sound great. I don't want that done to me. I'm just going to put it that way. So anyway, the referee, uh, Quinn noted this, has the zebra stripe shirt on. Very weird, because usually every ref back then looks like a janitor. (laughs) 
he does have the zebras, but he does have unofficial pants. He has like, he's khakis got, on. No, or something? he has he has um he has bell bottoms on. Oh, bell bottom like, but they're like weird colored. What's weird about the bell bottoms back then is that those same bell bottoms dragged into the eighties for a lot of refs. If you ever notice, <clears throat> right. before Vince standardized the ref gear, but that's true. Which was the mid eighties. Yeah. Um. So our back first... then you could wear whatever the hell you <laughs> yeah, wanted. They to, like right? seemingly didn't care. Yeah. You could wear like a mechanics outfit, yeah. and they didn't give a shit. Some have zebra stripes. Some have <laughs> some have like. <laughs> custodian outfit yeah it's just, it's a really weird thing <laughs> so we open with our first contest it's greg valentine making his wwwf debut and he's managed by the grand, grand wizard, wizard apparently yeah. which is i mean back then it seems like there's only like there's those big three managers and like that's yep. it like albano and, but every lassie it, and yeah. wizard it feels like every big heel has a manager too. By the You're way, you right. There's no, that, there's no not managed heels. And they were a good mouthpiece, but you know they were also implied to be working out all the contracts, like we said earlier. It's all mentioned the, all the deals. You know the deals. Yeah, yeah. they they talk yeah. about it all right. So Greg Valentine fights one of Quinn's least favorite jobbers, <laughs> Steve yeah. King. Steve King. I, now <laughs> the only reason I know about Steve King is because. Basically, we've we've watched some of these other weird ones. Like yeah. he and Steve King, he's around forever. He is he the one that looks like Jose Luis Rivera? No, that's kinda? Victor Rivera. Well, he also kind of looks like him too because he's <laughs> he got does, the, right. He yeah, does. he, he kind of has the, that same puffy jacket all the time on. <laughs> he's just useless, and and he just. I don't know. It's just a jobber that just sucks. And, like, and you know how we, we, we had an episode about jobbers. Some jobbers are fun. This guy isn't. Steve King sucks. No, he's bad. So, Valentine looks like Greg Valentine, but younger. And he, Much younger. He, he looks like a redneck's mom. Like, he <laughs> just looks like some lady. He looks like something, all right. And as the commentary's going on, Bruno fucking is so horrible. He sounds like Lou Ferrigno. <laughs> yeah. He's like, no, 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 Very vicious guy, but he stays on his opponent. Uh, he does, just doesn't give him a chance to recuperate. The ring, the ring. Yeah. It looks like... Like, it's all floppy. It looks like it's in, like, somebody's garage yeah, or something. It's awful. It's like a foot and a half off the ground. Yeah. It's like a tarp on it. Like, what I meant floppy, though, is the ropes are literally, like, yeah. rubber bands. The ropes are, like, elastic. Yeah. They're it's, awful. It's terrible. <laughs> so, anyway, Valentine wins with an elbow smash. Yes, right, I guess because he, he's the hammer, but he's not yet, so it's weird. But, yeah, he just, he literally... The, if I recall, doesn't he do like a suplex that looks like it should be the end? Yes. But then instead of finishing him off, he he elbow smashes him <laughs> and, then, and he, then he pins yeah, him. It's like the most. It's like if you're playing like Super WrestleMania for SNES and the yeah, and opponent's you hit the B button energy the meter is down yeah. and you just hit B. Yeah, that's how Valentine wins in two minutes and fifty seconds. Now let's. I want to just say none of these matches are long. <laughs> no, no, no. These are squash matches. It's the same thing that would happen throughout the eighties into the nineties. Yeah. Just squash matches. Yep. So then we get a promo from Ivan Koloff, and Quinn really likes him for some reason. You want to explain? I just like the fact that at this time he can say he was the world champion in a time when there weren't Bruno. a lot of world champions because, <laughs> you know, the title never changed like hands. Bruno was champion for a thousand years. Yeah. Like since the beginning of time, like Father Time met him. Yeah. And like, he was yeah. like, here's a title. Yeah. And then Ivan Koloff beat him after like eight fucking years as champion. Yeah. And so Ivan Koloff is in, he's very in and out of the territory because yeah, it is a territory because this is still NWA yeah. technically and he's he cuts a promo and he's even talking about I come here the promoters and he's mentioning like 
like breaking the fourth wall a lot, which is yeah, weird. it is weird for that time. He, he's talking about how I come and the promoters, you know, they want me and yeah. I want to beat up guys so that the promoters always have me in line for the title or something. It was interesting, and we, I also have here Lou Albano was very tan. Yeah, he's he looked he's, weird. He's uncharacteristically very tan. I know he's not like he's not like white. No, because he's Italian. But, but he he's uncharacteristically like super tan. So then we have a recap, and they show basically the whole match of. It's the worst recap in the world because <laughs> there's no clipping. It's just a match. It's basically a match from somewhere else where it's like darker. Yeah, and it's to build the Maya Via right. Backlund feud. So it's Peter Maivia turning on Backlund in a tag match against Quinn's second least favorite chopper, Victor Rivera. Ugh. Yeah, just more. <laughs> and Spiros Arion, who I, is a name from the you know from the seventies, basically. Yeah, he's just a so typical guy. ugly, doofy looking guy. Now this turn is very weird. No, and I really had nothing to say of this match other than Backlund is a giant dweeb. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and Skull, I had to say, why was uh, Arnie Skullin so lazy? He brings a chair. Yeah. To, he's managing, right? And he brings a chair to the ring, and he sits on it. He like, doesn't even stand there. It's like somebody's, like, uncle, you know, just sitting there watching. Now, mind you, Blassie's also ringside for the heel team. He's not sitting in no chair. No. He's up. Yeah, Blassie's, and Blassie looks like Father Time, and yeah. like, he looks like actual, he's the Father Time that handed Bruno the belt. He looks older, and he's standing up, no problem. He's getting shit done. But Arnie over there, he's sitting down. Now, the turn is very weird. The the turn is really, really weird. So, Maivia hot tags in, and then he He, he, tags right out all assily. The first time. The first time, yes. By the way, Quinn made a good observation at this point. There's, I don't think there's tag ropes. Oh, yeah. People are just strolling along. <laughs> they don't care. <laughs> so anyway, so then there's another hot tag, right, Quinn? Yeah. And he does it again. Mm-hmm. And it's not really... It's very subtle, though. Like, Vince isn't screaming over it. Not at first. Not at first. And then the it's kind of like the third time... He goes for the third hot tag. Yeah, and Maivia walks away. He just walks away. And, and Arnold Skolin's really pissed about this. So we're sitting there watching this, and Quinn's like, what, does he beat up Arnie? And I'm like, no. Yeah. Arnie never got involved. What happens, Quinn? He beats him up. He gets his ass he kicked by Peter Maivia. He beats Maivia. the crap out of him. And then, on top of all this, then they start beating up Bob Backlund, right? Yes. And, and then, then a bunch of, like, pasty, chunky, like, faces make the save. But, but... Before that, also, it, it turns out that Maya Villa was in cahoots with Blassie mm-hmm. and the and Spiros and, and Victor, Rivera. Victor Rivera, and they're beating the shit out of Bob Backlund. Right. And somehow this match ends in a double DQ. That doesn't really matter. Then we get what Quinn described as like a proto-Mr. Backlund promo. Oh, right. This was weird. And he just he just yells into the rope. It, not in the rope. He in, yells into the, into the camera. He's like, why? Why did this happen? How did this happen? How did this happen? Why did that happen? Am I dreaming? Did the whole world get me? Yeah. And that's all he's saying. He just keeps asking the same question over and over he's and over again. He's seriously like proto-Mr. Backlund. It's really bizarre. He sounds like him and everything. Yeah. And then meanwhile, someone in the crowd yells out, Suck a dick! <laughs> that was really funny. So then we go to, I'm going to let Quinn do this one. We go to a commercial, and what is this commercial, Quinn? Oh, this commercial. It's... I w- I'm going to put this on the site because it's great. It is superstar Billy Graham um, shilling, basically, a painting of himself. 
Now, not just a normal painting, right? <laughs> it's a painting like a cartoony. It almost looks like a Transformers kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Of it's a painting. It's a superstar on it in like Star Wars letters, right? But the superstar Billy Graham is on top of the superstar's letter, and behind him is space with like planets, with, with planets, like, and like and there's, there's UFOs, daddy, and there's Saturn, and there's Uranus. Yeah, he's describing everything. And there's the Moon, Daddy, and the Universe, Daddy. Now the best part. The best part out of all this. Now, Billy Graham is not the only living being on top of the letters. Let's put it that way. Well put. Um, there is a saber-toothed tiger, which he describes, next to him, drawn next to him on this poster. There's a saber-toothed tiger with me, Daddy. Yeah. And he is so happy about this. And here's the here's the kicker at the very end. Yeah. Is that it tells you to write in to get the poster write in and send money into uh to superstar, superstar and they're and not together two separate words superstar this is what quinn tweeted a few days ago and appeal box for phoenix arizona not connecticut and he- i i said to quinn after we watched this i was like why is it from phoenix and quinn's like he probably sold it himself and quinn looked into this i looked into it and this turns out that it was a painting he commissioned himself. himself. If he, uh, there's an interview with him about it. He bought the ad time himself. He bought the ad time himself, and you are pretty much mailing a P.O. box in his town or something. Yes. Like, he, we looked it up. He lived in Phoenix, Arizona. Yes. That's where he's from. That's not, this isn't the WWF selling this. He bought the airtime. He, he commissioned the painting, he bought the airtime, and he's selling the painting himself. <laughs> this painting it, has to be seen to be believed. It's unbelievable. It is ridiculous, and I'm I'll, I'm gonna have to post this on, yeah, this, on the it website. Has to, it yeah. has to be seen to be believed. Yeah, superstar Billy Graham was way ahead of his time, and we have a very good friend named Donnie. That if he knew about this guy, and now he does, uh, he likes he's tigers to this, too. I mean, a saber tooth. He tiger. would love this guy. Yeah. This would be his favorite wrestler. It, he, he definitely, it without would. question. So we move on to our next squash match. This <laughs> one is awesome. Yeah, because it's fun Ivan Putski. It's Ivan Putski, the good version, right, Quinn? Oh, my God. The best version. The one that's, like, basically a drunk Polish man that beats the shit out of people in two seconds. And he has a beard. He has a beard. He has short hair. He's not all greasy. He's not greasy, yeah. And who is he fighting? I love the name of this guy. (laughs) The Great Sabu. Yes! Completely (laughs) unrelated to Sabu or the Sheik or any of that. It's just literally some bald guy that looks like the coach. (laughs) From Bombay, India! (laughs) Our favorite ring announcer. The Great Sabu! Why is he so great? He gets his ass kicked, basically. Yep, Putski wins with the Polish Hammer in 2 minutes, 28 seconds. Then, (laughs) there's this promo about how the WWF is returning to West Orange, New Jersey, and what does Putski do? Polish Power remarks about how he loves West Orange, New Jersey. You know, I've been getting letters saying, when are you coming to West Orange? We've missed you. Well, I tell you what, I missed you too. he could go to the Garden that night, but instead he chose to see his Polish army in West Orange, New Jersey. He really just hyped the shit out of West Orange, New Jersey. Like, he was like, this is, he basically acted like this was the best place ever to wrestle. I've, we live about 45 minutes away from there. I've never been to West Orange. No, I haven't either. I've been to I, East isn't Orange. Is like, kind of like shitty, actually? No, East Orange is shittier. Okay. West Orange is fine. All I know is Polish Power was way too excited to be coming to West Orange, New Jersey. <laughs> right. So we go to our, <laughs> we go to our next squash match, which is, S.D. Jones somehow 
looking older than he yeah. like does in the eighties. Yep. I don't know how. And some jerk named Frankie Williams. Who cares? Versus the returning Valiance with Lou Albano. I would say this was the match of the night. It was this match. Quinn and I both remarked on this. This was ahead of its time. The Valiance wrestled and moved and had this charisma at a fast pace. It was like you were watching something 10 years ahead of its time. Seriously. from the late 80s. Yeah. And what I like about this match that's unique about this match, this isn't the Valiant Brothers where they look the same kind. Right, from the earlier 70s. where both of them have their separate gimmicks that they would later have. Yeah, one of them sucks, which is Karate Johnny V. Yeah, Johnny V, but it's still kind of the Johnny V that we know from the mid-80s, the manager kind. Yeah, he just looks like somebody's grandmother with the hair and, and the chubbiness and Jimmy, handsome Jimmy, he's is like boogie like, woogie. He's like he looks like the boogie woogie, like from the NWA, the good one. Yeah, that people liked. And yeah. he's all fun and stuff. Yeah. Like he, he's just good. And honestly, no one likes Johnny V. No one likes Johnny. <laughs> they do do one cool thing at the beginning of this match is yeah. that they, if you recall, they take like a million years to like take their stuff off, and they get like the heat in this like dinky it's place insane. they're at. It's, like, crazy. Like, people are going nuts for this. Yeah. They want to, like, kill them. In the middle of the match, there's a voiced-over promo by Vince for, if you thought Brooklyn was hip now, (laughs) no, the WWF was there back in the 70s. In fact, they had a show at the Notre Dame Hall, wherever that is. if you know anything about New York, the 70s... (laughs) Not not a high point. Especially Brooklyn. That's a a pretty rough place to be running a wrestling show in the 70s. The hipsters didn't migrate there until about 2011. It was more like a burned-out, looked like a nuclear bomb went off. Very working class. Very, yeah. hey, what do you want from me, eh, guy yeah. with the pizza yeah. and the bagel, huh? Yeah, it, it, it's, I, I'm surprised I can, that they were running a show there in 1978. I can do that stereotype because I'm Italian, okay? <laughs> okay. Um, Forget about it. A quote from Quinn. Johnny V looks like dog shit, no joke. <laughs> Did I say that? <laughs> yes. And I observed that Bruno is useless on commentary and would continue to be useless on commentary for the next 10 years. He's awful. He didn't stop doing commentary until 88. I feel like he doesn't contribute shit this whole show. He could not be there and you wouldn't notice. No. He's like, yeah, that that guy's good, Vince. He's always talking about conditioning and, like, he only cares about, like, how the athletes are preparing and training. Like, he never is really paying attention to the match. Right. Like... No, I know. He's awful. Uh, The ref looks like Ronald Reagan. The actor... <laughs> That's did. a weird observation. He just did, but it's true. Again, um, folks, this is the December sixteenth, nineteen seventy eight Worldwide Championship Wrestling. Worldwide Wrestling Federation. Worldwide Federation. Worldwide. It's it, w- it is a mouthful to be WWWF Championship yeah. Wrestling. You can find it on YouTube. I won't tell you where because I like this channel and I don't want it to get ch- taken down. Just look up that date. You'll find it. You'll somewhere. find it anyway. So there's a the Valiants win in three minutes. Or it's long. Yeah. Three minutes and 30 seconds. <laughs> again, match of the night. Match of the night. Yeah. Blassie and Maivia have another promo, and Blassie calls <laughs> back on an idiot. It's just funny. It's like a less detailed promo. Why yeah. do they, they have two promos for the—I guess they, they're they just shilling the they're shit shilling out the of They're shilling the shit out of that match. Yeah, because it's probably coming up. Yep, and then we get Quinn's favorite— Ivan Koloff against Ivan Koloff. a jobber named Tony Russo who looks like Dino Bravo doing a Don Morocco impression. <laughs> I thought, didn't I think it was Dino Bravo? Yes. Wow, yeah, just weird. <laughs> but uh, Ivan Koloff does look good. 
would you say? He looks okay. I mean, I thought you said, like, look how fast he is, but I don't know what... <laughs> and he was pretty fast. I thought I thought that match was not bad. It was fine. It just it did what... It was supposed to make Ivan Koloff look good again, right? Yeah, so Koloff pins Tony Russo in... I mean, uh, beats Tony Russo in a minute 17 with the Boston Crab. It should be a Russian Crab. It should be a Russian Crab. Yeah. Anyway, so we move on to... Um, our next match, I guess, if you want to call it the not the main event, what were they called back then? Uh, the, f- the featured, featured contest. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's the tag champions. God, Larry Zabisco and Tony Gurria, who is like eternally the tag champion, and he's the tag champ every day ever. Yeah, and he's always fifty five years old. Yeah, and he's got the worst hair I've ever seen ever. in my life. Worse than Bruno's fro. He, he has like consistently bad hair though. This isn't like a new thing in seventy eight. No, he always has like a always pompadour that looks like an idiot. Yeah, so like he has a rug on his head, <laughs> and they're fighting. The unpredictable Johnny Rods and Silvano Souza. This is, by the way, a non-title match. I have to say, I like the heel team better. <laughs> I do much. I like. I was rooting for Johnny Rods the whole match. And Quinn just bursts out in the middle of this about Larry Zbysko. Yeah, I said, how is he a Hall of Famer? <laughs> and you keep calling him Nabisco. Nabisco, too. yeah. I, I hate him. And then, then... Yeah, yeah. And then, yeah, like, you know how I was saying Johnny Rods? I burst out in the middle again. I remember this. I said... I hope Johnny Ross beats the shit out of Larry Zbysko. <laughs> Quinn was just like a 10, uh, up to a 10 with his Larry Zbysko so, hate. I was so, I couldn't stand this guy. <laughs> so then Quinn says to me, well, you've got three Hall of Famers here other than Pete Schmutz. <laughs> or I call him Pete is. Schmutz. Silvano Souza. Silvano Souza is Pete Schmutz eternally forever. <laughs> he looks, did, did he not remind you of that dude? Oh, man, I don't remember. But didn't he, he kind of reminded me of Gas House. Whatever. Gilbert? Gasshouse Gilbert. He was reason. so much worse than Gasshouse Gilbert. He was Gilbert. a shitty version of Gasshouse, but... <laughs> so Quinn goes on a roll here. I'm going to read you some of the things that he said. <laughs> First of all, he says, Larry Zabisco blows, by the way. Why is he having problems? Yeah, he was, like, struggling. I know. It's one thing I hate about jobber matches, is I hate when, like, superstars or champions like these guys are supposed to be, why are they having a problem with Johnny Rods or Pete Schmutz? Like, seriously. <laughs> right, because Rods and Schmutz dominate the match. Yeah. Quinn again goes off about Tony Gurria having the worst haircut in the history it's of wrestling. so bad. Yeah. <laughs> and then someone throws garbage in the ring. And <laughs> speaking of garbage, Larry Zabisco tags in, pins Pete Schmutz with a vertical suplex. It's the 70s, folks. Suplexes are pretty deadly back then. And if uh, you and I noted, the fastest three count yeah ever well okay if you recall we didn't mention this but at the very beginning of this match they say or until curfew or something yes they must have been running out of time because the ref counts like the it's even faster than like any it's faster than that time jericho fake won the title or whatever it's faster than any count i've ever seen very fast three count and but it's like everyone's like yeah that's legit whatever yeah let's go home it worked with the faces so yeah exactly so they were (laughs) So they were like, yeah, it's fine. It looked fine to me. And that's WWF Championship Wrestling from December 16th, 1978. We reviewed something. Yeah, you can put it in the books. It's put it in that, the books. This might be the only review ever in any place of that episode yeah, exactly. of Championship Wrestling. Yeah, exactly, and that's wrestling. what we aim for, folks. We aim to be different. What did you think of that before we go this this week? Despite all the jokes, because we're not going to sit here doing match play, play by yeah. play, but just an I overall thought it was feeling. an entertaining, fun little show. I liked it too. Honestly, I was surprised. I really I was surprised. I was especially entertained by the Valiants and by Ivan Koloff. Yeah, and by Fred Blassie. I like Fred Blassie. Yeah, a lot. and the promos were they were decent. They were fun, and it was just a nice little snapshot of a very 
forgotten you know, era. Forgotten era. Yeah. Pre-Hulkamania, post-Bruno, really. Yeah. Bruno wasn't the champion anymore. The feuds aren't notable, but they're, you know, they're there. There's And we learned some stuff. Yeah, I, there's we learned a lot of a stuff lot, I yeah. didn't know that was going on. So, folks, stay tuned for more of that. We are going to be reviewing something every week, and it's going to be something that we've never seen before. Yeah, that's what we aim to do. We don't. We want to be surprised by this, Yeah, right? we're not watching freaking, we're not going to review Uncensored 97 no. or any of that crap or Raw from 98. Yeah. Leave that to not other that, people. Not that not all that of it's crap. Any, no, no, no. I'm just saying, not that there's anything wrong with that. But I've seen all that stuff. Right. We aim to be unique here. I want to find the next Pete Schmutz. Yeah. And speaking of Pete Schmutz, Quinn, this has been a great episode. Season 2, episode number 11, this Monday, December 19th, 2016. Christmas is going to be next Sunday, Quinn. Yeah. I hope I get a Pete Schmutz action figure for Christmas. (laughs) Folks, as always, be sure to check us out on Twitter at OVP Podcast. You can also subscribe on iTunes. You can subscribe on Google Play, on Stitcher, on Blueberry. Hey, we're on Player.fm, by the way. Yeah, we didn't sign up for it, but we're on it. Maybe in 2017 we'll have a MySpace. I don't know. Eventually. And don't forget the website. Don't forget the website. Ov- website. Website. <laughs> That's what you used to use the internet. Yeah. OVPpodcast.com. We will see you next week. Yeah, we'll right? be back. Lord Alpha, we're good with that? Yeah. yeah. Okay, we're good. And uh, after that, it'll be 2017, which will be very interesting. Quinn, we'll see what... We'll Hopefully see what... Big Show's not dancing in a baby diaper. Yeah, I don't want to see that. Until next time, folks, enjoy your retro wrestling. Let us know if there's anything you want us to talk about, review, anything like that. We'll be happy to talk to you. We mean that. Yeah, we're here for you. We're here for you. So have a good rest of your day. Enjoy your week and enjoy your time off. So long. This is Superstar Billy Graham coming at you, and I got something heavy to lay down. The new Superstar Space Poster is finally here. Now I want the cameraman to zoom in close and let all my fans see how the superstar looks in outer space. There's flying saucers, Venus, Jupiter, Saturn, Mars, stellar gas, gamma rays, and all your favorite stars. And look at my new tag team partner, a Stone Age saber-toothed tiger. Now you know you can never pin the superstar in the ring, but now you can pin me to your wall and think what a Christmas present this space poster would be all wrapped up underneath your Christmas tree. Now get a pencil and a piece of paper, because here's a television announcer to tell you how to get it. Just send five ninety-five plus $1 for postage and handling to Superstar, Post Office Box 5238, Phoenix, Arizona, 85010. That's Superstar, Post Office Box 5238, Phoenix. Will you stop, 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 stop.